Welcome everyone, this is the second episode of the CEU Press podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Talaber, and I'm the managing editor of the CEU Review of Books. Today I'm joined by Francis Pinter. Francis is the founder of Knowledge Unledged, the former CEO of Manchester University Press, founding publisher of Bloomsbury Academic, and the current executive chair of the CEU Press. And today Francis is um, joining me to explain the CEU Press's Open Access Initiative. Francis, could you tell us a bit of the background of how this initiative came about? Thank you very much, Andrea. It's a real pleasure to be chatting to you. Well, it all comes from the times when accessing academic content was incredibly difficult, first from print, then from closed digital, and increasingly the new open access initiatives are relying on a model that requires authors to find the funding for what's called a book processing charge. Now, we teamed up with a program called COPIM, which was funded by the UKRI and Arcadia Fund, looking for different types of models that did not require authors to find the funding and which would ultimately be more equitable to authors from all over the world. So could you tell us how the model actually works? All right. Well, it's a mixture of a subscription model our membership model, however you want to define it, or a crowdsourcing model, uh, what we offer uh, is a package of backlist titles to libraries. And these libraries subscribe to the backlist. The package includes 50 uh, of our titles, and they can choose amongst four different packages depending on what the library would like to have in its collection. And then we take that money and immediately apply it to the funding of the publishing process itself for our front list, in other words, the new titles. And so that is how we fund our open access program without actually resorting to asking for authors to fund their own books. So you mentioned that this is a library subscription service. Could you elaborate a bit on why this is beneficial to libraries to sign up to your model? Well, we've priced it very carefully and very competitively. The cost per library, which is tiered depending on the size of the library, is far less than it would have been if they were buying each of those 50 titles individually. So it's attractive to them, and they also know that that money is going towards the front list. And for those libraries that already have all or most of our books, for them it's attractive because they know that the open access books themselves are published at costs that are far less than what they pay for when they buy closed books individually. In addition to that, after three years, the libraries receive uh, these books on perpetual access. Now, this is library speak, which I'll 
just elaborate on. A subscription is an annual subscription, uh, but once they uh, receive perpetual access for a book, it means they own that digital file. What would you say, why is this beneficial to presses who adopt this model? Well, for presses, uh, it's a way of acquiring the funding for the front list title in advance. And so it's less risky and it makes it possible to grow a, a an open access list much more quickly and without depending on individual authors to bring money to the table to make these books open access. Okay, so I'm, I have a question about the sustainability of this model. So the first time I heard about it, I thought that this was you know, a great initiative. But what happens once the back catalogue runs out? Well, we have a back catalogue of now over 500 titles. And so a library subscribing to a backlist package of 50 for three years, after three years, they'll be offered a different 50. And so that takes us to 30 years before we run out of backlist. We will have other backlists by then, too. And uh, we don't think this is really going to be a problem because by then libraries will become accustomed to the idea that actually they're, they are investing and supporting in opening up titles going forward rather than buying individual closed copies for their individual closed collections. Ask me in 30 years' time, but I think it'll be okay. Right, we will meet again in this podcast studio <laughs> and uh, I will ask you. So good to know that this is a sustainable model. You know, you mentioned that this is in 30 years, you might run out of your current back catalogue. So what are your long-term goals, maybe up until that 30 years? <laughs> I would call those medium-term goals, actually. Uh, but the goal at the moment is to ensure that the scholarship that we as a press publish reach its potential audience. Uh, and wherever we have books that are open access, we find that the usage, the downloads, the citations are vastly more than if it's closed. And that's not just us. That's all publishers find that. That's why we find this so exciting, especially now with the focus on our region. We really think it's incumbent upon us to make as much of our content open as possible. For other presses, I can see that they are thinking about these kinds of models. MIT and University of Michigan Press have launched recently similar, slightly different in detail, but with the same objective. We all really want to make this scholarship open because we find that uh, people read our books. I think you mentioned to me before that during the pandemic, when you made your books open access, you saw a real spike in readership in some titles. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, um, we put up uh, just under 300 titles as open for the early part of the pandemic, as did many other publishers. And we found that our books were being read in 120 different countries. We don't have the sales capacity to sell books into 120 countries. So it was very exciting to see this. And we could also see which books were being downloaded in which countries. 
And one of the really exciting results of this initiative was that a book that we'd published called Academic Freedom was the most popular book of ours in China. And, you know, in, in other ways, it might it would have been actually difficult for those people to maybe acquire that book or buy it. And now it was just available for them to download open access. Absolutely. And that's what is so exciting about academic publishing. Yes, I hope the listeners got a good explanation of what this initiative is. And I think it sounds very exciting. And I'm really looking forward to you know, seeing where this develops. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you for the listeners. And um, as always, all the links to all the initiatives will be down in the show notes. So thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye, Andrea.